the J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hello and welcome to the J Talk podcast. I'm Ben Maxwell. After a storming start to the Samurai Blues European adventure, I'm very pleased to be joined by two guests to review Germany 1, Japan 4. Uh, first, a voice regular listeners will be very familiar with, Alan Gibson from JSoccer Magazine and JSoccer.com. Alan, welcome back to the pod and how are you? Thank you very much. Good morning, good evening, wherever you happen to be. Um, I'm fine, uh, apart from the fact that I've been very, very busy and it's really hot in Japan, isn't it? Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm off to Thailand in a couple of days, by the way. I'm just just, just announcing that now. Off to Thailand to watch uh, three games uh, next weekend. Um, so I've been busy getting that all sorted out and hopefully uh, I'll get some, some stuff on jsoccer.com and jsoccer magazine in the next uh, three or four months but uh yeah it's been it's been a busy summer haven't been anywhere so um it's unusual for me to say i'm busy but yeah it's been it's been chaos yeah busy doing nothing all right well great to have you back as i said alan and uh, making his first appearance on j talk is one of the uh, breakout stars I think it's safe to say from the JTalk Patreon only line group and a man who keeps very close tabs on the Japanese players in Europe. It's a huge welcome to the pod to Brett Bobisud. Brett, uh, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Good evening, Ben. Good evening, Alan. It's thank you for having me on. You are welcome. Mate. And actually in the green room, I didn't check the pronunciation of your family name. Was that close enough? Uh, it's technically Bobby Sud. So just think. The name Bobby and then Suds as if in soap. Okay, fair enough. There isn't a double B there, so I wasn't sure how, how strongly to stress that. But uh, yes, okay, so uh, I'll remember that for future appearances, Brett. So uh, as we do with uh, first-time guests and when I remember to do so, um, yeah, we'd like to get first-time guests to tell us a little bit about their backstory, how you became interested in Japanese football, and I guess in, in your case, uh, predominantly Japanese players in Europe, although you do follow the J-League as well. So, um, yeah, what's what's Brett's story around Japanese football? So it goes back about 13 years now to when I was an undergrad at university uh, back in Illinois. I took Japanese language classes there as an elective course, and over the course of my study, I met some uh, Japanese nationals who were there as graduate students and I befriended them and they were fans of the Japan national team. And that semester coincided with the World Cup in South Africa. Mm -hmm. And I was really not into football at that point. Obviously, I'm a Yank, as you can probably tell from my voice. The sports I played growing up were baseball, basketball and American football. But my friends invited me to come over to their apartments to watch the Japan games from South Africa, and I decided to go over there, and I ended up enjoying it more than I thought I would, and I ended up watching all of the Samurai Blue matches from South Africa with them. And I basically decided then and there that, okay, I'm going to follow the national team. And if after that World Cup, several of the players went to Europe. Shinji Kagawa being the predominant one for me because he went to Borussia Dortmund and had a lot of success immediately. And I basically adopted Dortmund as my uh, favorite European team. They still are, for better or for worse. And then, um, yeah, it's been uh, it's it's basically been um, on from there, I guess, is the term we should use. 
you know, just like following European soccer and following the Japanese players as they head over there and hopefully have some success. Some don't, but as we've seen recently, a lot of them are fine, are having success out there, which is really good to see. Yeah, tremendous. And so over the course of uh, your journey, you've also adopted a, a J-League club or you, you're still really nailing down your choice, you said, in the green room, but you've you've pretty much settled on a favorite J-League team as well? Yeah, right now it's Sanfrecce Hiroshima. Um, they basic, they were really good when I started following it. So I basically attached myself to them, but it's been, you know, it can change in the future probably, but right now it's still some project. All right, then fantastic stuff. And, um, yeah, other members of the, uh, the line group are uh, probably uh, nodding knowingly when I mentioned that you were uh, one of the, uh, the breakout stars from that group as you've been yeah, keeping us very much posted on the, yeah, a lot of the Japanese players in Europe and uh, their performances uh, throughout this, uh, the, the early stages of the new European season. And um, yes, a predominantly uh, European based Samurai Blue squad uh, has traveled over to Europe and uh, Alan correct me if I'm wrong but I think you you made the uh, well some would say a little bit crazy some would say finally uh, an intelligent decision to get up at the early hours of a Sunday morning to watch uh, Germany versus Japan uh, it was certainly far too early for my blood but um yeah judging from your posts on social media I think you were up and watching the game live weren't you uh, yes indeed it was well worth it I'm very very happy that I, I got up to watch it um literally set the alarm like uh, two minutes before kickoff or at least I thought it was two minutes before kickoff because Japanese television usually starts the starts the broadcast like minutes before the kickoff but I got up at 330 and uh, I actually had 15 minutes to spare because it started at 3:45 a.m in Japan and um, I didn't say much on uh, social media but I would have been very disappointed if Japan hadn't won that game but I usually get sort of uh, putting on my blue glasses and being accused of too much optimism uh, and I, I must admit I don't like I don't like to be pessimistic about the Japan national team or, or anything Japanese football I'm very optimistic all the time and some would say too optimistic but I'd have been very disappointed if they they lost that game um, and in fact they won very nicely and uh, I was you know, as soon as my German friend woke up in the morning he had an earful <laughs> Fair enough then. Yes, yes. So, well, yeah, it turned out to be a terrific decision and you got to see a, a fantastic performance. Of course, we know about the history between these two nations at the most recent World Cup in Qatar when Japan came from behind to, to stun Germany and, uh, well, pretty much shocked the world in the process. What were your expectations coming into this game, uh, Brett? I don't know how uh, you, you're a Dortmund fan, so uh, presumably you, you follow um, the German game as a whole um, semi-closely as well. So you, you were probably aware of some of the pressures that uh, Hansi Flick, the, the German manager, was uh, was under heading into this game. But um, as far as Japan was shaping up and their their chances uh, away at, against Germany, how, how were you feeling in the lead-up to the game? I think I was of the same mindset that Alan was in that I would have been very disappointed if Japan didn't win this match. That has about as much to do with Japan playing some very good football as a team over the past six months or so, as much as Germany not playing very good football over that same time period. So I was going into this match assuming Mr. Moriyasu didn't, you know, decide to throw everybody a curveball and name a completely, you know, 
random lineup that we've never seen before or try out a new formation, you know, as long as he's stuck with what had been working going back to the World Cup in Qatar or even before that, I would have been I would have expected Japan to win this match. Yeah, and uh, as we'll get on to, they well and truly did the business. It was, uh, and it was to prove uh, the yes, the final act of uh, Hansi Flick's time in charge uh, e- e- of the German national team. He became the first manager ever to be sacked from from that position um, uh, in the uh, yeah the aftermath of this four one victory. And um, Alan, yeah, I'll I wasn't sure when to do this, but I'll read uh, read a couple of quotes out uh, to you from uh, the German captain. Uh, Ilkay Gundogan, we have to be honest and say that Japan were better. Uh, we have to admit that we are just not on the same level with teams like the one today. We are just not good enough at the moment. I mean, that is remarkable stuff, isn't it? That the captain of Germany is saying that uh, about Japan. And I guess we're hoping that opposition players, captains, managers from the bigger nations are going to be saying this about playing Japan um, at major tournaments on a regular basis in, in the uh, the years going forward. And, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of caveats around where Germany were heading into this game. But, uh, yeah, ultimately, I mean, it's it's great, isn't it, when uh, an opposing captain of such a, a, a proud footballing nation can hold their hands up and say that, that, that Japan were just simply better than them uh, in this particular game. It was indeed. It's uh, it's very gratifying to see Japan in the top 20 of the FIFA rankings, whatever you whatever you put into those rankings. I'm not sure they're you know they're good or bad, but um, it's very useful to be in the top 20 for our players uh, because they can now get working visas easier, in particular in England. So that's that's good and uh, great for the near future. Um, the fact that the German captain said that kind of thing was really nice. Um, I'm, I think. Uh, I don't know much about the German team, but it seemed to have um, a pretty full strength lineup. Um, lots of players from, you know, obviously the Premier League and the Bundesliga, they're, they're all top players. And um, the goalkeeper in particular, we can get we can get to it later, was uh, almost the MVP. I mean, 4-1, 4-1 actually, I would say, flattered Germany at times. But the interesting thing for me was the, the fact that uh, the three or four German uh, people that I'm in contact with, one locally who I who I've given a hard time to already, but then three more on various social media things. That all of them were basically saying they would love Japan to win big so that they could get rid of Hair Flick. Uh, so, so they've had their uh, they've had their wish come true, and um, I think um, obviously Germany has a problem, and it seems to be the coach, or the manager, because as I said, they are, there's a they're household names all over the field. Uh, they're just not a team. So um, presumably Germany will, well, hopefully for their sake, will improve from now on. But uh, hopefully Japan can continue also. And if they do end up playing a, a quite rotated team in, against Turkey, I'm hoping that uh, they, they can at least get a good result and continue with confidence in the future. Absolutely. All right, then. So, um, Brett, when you saw the lineup, I think uh, you posted in the line group that you were a bit surprised to see Keisuke Osako uh, get the nod in goal. But um, yeah, I think ultimately, uh, yeah, he justified Hajime Moriyasu's faith. But the, the the rest of the team, I guess, um, well, obviously there are selection decisions and dilemmas for, for Moriyasu because he does have a very um, talented squad with options uh, across the pitch, but did did you feel like yeah he went with his first uh, first choice squad, his his strongest squad uh, for this game? Um, you, you know, there's obviously question marks these days at uh, at left back, 
and yeah, with the the plethora of of um, options he's got, I guess across uh, the attack, um, where once you saw the lineup and uh, obviously the game got going, I know Japan took an early lead, but um, yeah, were you uh, were you pleased with the, the the team that he went with and the way they started the game? For the most part, I don't think I could really argue with a whole lot of the lineup. I mean, as you said, he's got a selection headache that I don't think any Japan manager has had in the history of the national team at the moment. I mean, when guys like Takefusa Kubo and Ritsu Doan and Altanaka can't even crack the 11, and not to mention Kyoko Furuhashi, it's like, wow, you've got a plethora of choices for attack for forwards and midfields. I mean, you've got guys that are not only signed to European clubs, but they're playing regularly for their European clubs. So really, when you look at the lineup of, you know, Oyasu Ueda up top, now he's not playing, now he's not starting for Feyenoord at the moment. He's behind Santiago Jimenez, who was their leading goal scorer last year, which is understandable, but he's at least, you know, coming on as a substitute regularly. Um, Mitoma obviously is going to be in the lineup every time. Kamada's playing for Lazio in Italy, so he's on the pitch now. Junior Ito is playing regularly for Rems in France. He's, I mean, he's basically been one of the most reliable guys on the pitch for Japan going back several years now. I mean, whenever he's in the lineup or on the pitch, it seems like he's always threatening to score, or delivering a good performance. And so when you've got those guys up there and you're wondering, well, why isn't Takafusa Kubo up there? Because he's playing very well for Real Sociedad in Spain at the moment. I mean, my reaction is, well, up until maybe June, Junior Ito had done more at the national at the international level than Kubo had done. I mean, I remember a lot of us asking, you know, up until maybe June, when is Kubo going to start playing like we know he can for the national team, like he has for his club? And I would say maybe up until June, we hadn't seen that. Now, hopefully, we're starting to see that. But at the moment, you know, if Junior Ito is going to be in the lineup over him, I really can't argue with it. The only thing that surprised me about the lineup, as you said, was Keisuke Osako being uh, in goal for the lineup. I thought it was going to be either one of the other two, Daniel Schmidt or Kosuke Nakamura. So my first reaction to seeing Osako's name there was, wow. But then as I thought about it, I wonder if maybe. Moriyasu was looking to showcase Osako in Europe against a big European club in the hopes that after the J-League season wraps up in a few months, a European club is going to come look at Osako and look to bring him over to Europe to play. Because of the five guys that have either been in the national team lineup or have gone back to when the East Asian Cup happened last summer, Osako is the only one who is still playing domestically in the J-League. Mm. Daniel Schmidt obviously play, was playing regularly for St. Trudenese in Belgium. Kosuke Nakamura's at Porto Menense in Portugal. Zion Suzuki's now with STVV, with Schmidt. And Kose Tani's also in the second level of Belgium. So I'm wondering if maybe Moriyasu wanted to give Osako a bit of a feature for the European audience that was out there. And like you said, Ben, I think he did a pretty commendable job. Could he have done better? Yes, obviously. But he wasn't bad. I'll leave it at that. He did a serviceable job between the sticks. Yeah, I don't even remember, guys, and you, you might be able to correct me whether Osako was the third keeper in the, the last international break or not, but I'm pretty sure that Schmidt and um, Kosuke Nakamura started the, the two games. So maybe it was just Osako's turn in the rotation. But it, obviously a, a very big game 
to throw him into. But yes, as a, as showcases go, I think yeah he he generally um, yeah passed that test with uh, with his colours. Uh, very high, I think Osaka. Not really much at all he could do about Leroy Sane's uh, first uh, first time shot that put uh, Germany back on level terms uh, just before the 20th minute was up. But that was, of course, after uh, the man of the moment for Japan, Junior Ito, had given uh, Japan the lead in the 11th minute when he turned in a uh, Yukinari Sugawara cross via a deflection off Antonio Rudiger. Rudiger probably very glad to have seen the back of Japan for uh, the time being after, uh, obviously, he was embarrassed by Takuma Asano at the end of the World Cup game. And, um, yes, uh, yeah, an un- unlucky deflection of Rudiger here, but uh, Ito opened uh, Japan's account. And, um, yeah, Alan, I guess uh, along similar lines to Brett, I mean, with uh, with Ito versus Kubo, I mean, it is an, in- an interesting battle, isn't it, for that right-hand side position? But at the moment, yeah, I mean, you can see what Moriyasu is thinking. I mean, Ito is just... There's no, really no reason for him to be dropped, is there? I mean, as good as Kubo's club form has been, Ito has just continued to do it for Moriyasu on the international stage. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, and uh, apparently as far as Moriyasu is concerned as well, that while he's doing the job, then he's going to keep the shirt. And uh, yeah, I certainly don't have any complaints about that. No, not so ever. I remember when he left uh, Casio Raisol and I was like, you know, who, who's this guy? Where's he going to Europe so soon? And uh, I mean, he really wasn't one of the standout players that uh, that I was watching in J League when he left for Europe. And uh, it's obviously it's been so good for him, and he's he's brilliant. I mean, he really takes the bull by the horns and takes players on. He's not afraid to to do that kind of thing, and it's really good to to see him what he's doing, and and then getting into the middle on the, on the end of crosses as well. So uh, yeah, no complaints. I mean, it's so good. I mean, we've just mentioned uh, five goalkeepers. I think isn't it amazing that Japan has five or six goalkeepers that are good enough to be called? Um, and then well, if we go to the the midfields and the forwards as they call them, I mean, there must be like there must be twenty to choose from. I mean, without exaggerating now, which is uh, it's quite amazing. But yeah, definitely Ito, and uh, I guess we'll move over to the left side later and and say Mitoma can't, won't let him in either. So. Uh, Kubo is going to have to wait a little bit longer, and but super sub, two assists in you know in five or seven minutes or whatever it was, no complaints there. No, indeed, and so yes, yeah, Sane uh, equalised for Germany uh, eight minutes after Japan had taken the lead, but shortly after that, uh, ISA Weida put Japan back in front after Reito touched on another Sugawara ball in from the right. So I mean, Weida didn't know much about it, Brett, but uh, yeah, right place at the right time, and he was able to steer the ball past Mark Andre Terstegen, and I, I guess. Um, yeah, well, this one doesn't technically go down as a Sugawara assist. As uh, as I said, Ito touched the ball uh, on to Wader. But, um, yeah, Sugawara, again, very, very impressive uh, at right back. And just like Ito's made the, the right wing spot his own, it appears that Sugawara has a very, very firm grip on the right back spot. And, um, yeah, another really impressive performance from him. Yeah, he was one of the two best players for Japan in this game, in my opinion. It was him and Tomiyasu. And I mentioned this to several other people in the line group. Isn't it wonderful to have a position in flux after the World Cup like right back was for the national team and just have a guy like Sugawara walk in and basically say, yeah, this is my spot for the next six years. Pencil me in. I mean, you just love to see a guy come in and make a position his own and just solve any questions about it. And he's really he has been, I would say, 
at least decent in every match that he's played with Japan over the last six months or so. Go back to the March friendlies. Got the assist on the opener in this first in in this one where Ito turned it in off Rudiger, which I also want to acknowledge was set up by a really good switch of play pass from Tomiyasu, who would thankfully was playing center back this time. We finally got to see the Tomiyasu Itakura center back pairing that I think a lot of us have wanted to see for a while now. And we just haven't been able to because of injuries to both of them. But yeah, he gets the assist on the opener and then he gets what we in America would call a hockey assist because in hockey, they will go as far back as the two previous passes to credit someone with an assist. So mm-hmm. Ito gets the main assist. Sugawara gets the hockey assist, if you want to use those terminologies. So, Yep, terrific stuff. So um, I, I wasn't sure when we were going to address this, but while we're full of praise for Sugawara at right back, uh, Alan and um, Brett, you can feel free to, to weigh in uh, on this after uh, Alan responds. Um, what about left back going forward uh, for, for Moriyasu? I wasn't sure whether he was going to throw... Uh, Rioya Morishita into to this game uh, or not? Of course, the uh, the Nagoya fullback. Um, he's a, obviously a more natural uh, fullback than Hiroki Ito is, but Ito has proven able to to cover left back at times for for Moriyasu. And I guess the fact that yeah he plays over in Germany um, and is very well regarded over there, as, as far as I can tell, it meant that, um, yeah, there, I don't think there were too many qualms about Ito being named there. But, um, yeah, how do you see left-back shaping up uh, down the road, especially, you know, with the Asian Cup coming up fairly soon? Um, do you think he'll stick with uh, Ito? I mean, he's running out of time for, for more experiments. I mean, we had seen a number of players trialled, in the, the previous international breaks up until now. Maurice has got a, a, the gig for a second straight squad, but um, I guess there are other options maybe waiting in the wings. Um, how do you see uh, yeah, this position going forward uh, for, uh, for Japan under Moriyasu, Allen? I think uh, Yuta Nakayama, who's not playing for Huddersfield right now because he's been injured for six or eight months, and now I think uh, he hasn't pushed his way back in yet into the... Japan, uh, sorry, the English uh, second tier, the championship. Uh, like you, Nakayama's played uh, 17 games, I think it is, uh, last time I checked. But, I mean, he had an injury at an unfortunate time. Mm. Um, what I don't want to see uh, Moriyasu do is, is is try three backs and put Mitoma on the left uh, wing back or just let Mitoma go free and do whatever he wants to. Um but um, if he has to defend uh, too much, that would sort of uh, irritate me a bit and uh, cut cut the efficiency of Mitoma down, I think. Um, if they go three backs and wing backs, then um, I think Morista has a good chance to, to get a, a look in. Um, and I think he's probably the best bet at the moment. But um, Ito is, is fine. And of course, we see he can play centre back as well. And uh, I think it was probably Brett, or, but someone on the line group also said he, he's known as the cultured left foot of Germany. So, I um, mean, he's, he's definitely uh, ready to seize that place. Uh, Yuki Soma is another guy who, who might come in and play left wing back, but hopefully not left back. I think, um, I think uh, well, we've, had, we've seen Kashif, of course, from Tokyo, who also got injured at the wrong time. So, bang nagande. Um, but I don't think he's up to the level of Ito. So, um, mm. I like the... Ito's in there, and uh, for, for me, uh, if he can, you know, if he can stay fit, for, of course, as well, and they do stay four backs, then I think he has a good chance of, of being always in the squads and then playing left left back most of the time, and 
and and centre back if he needs to. So yeah, I'm okay with Ito there. Hiroki Ito's very a very interesting player in my mind. When he initially moved from Jubilo to Stuttgart, it was straight out of J2, and a lot I don't think a lot of people in Germany knew who he was. You know, basically he was just another. I mean, Stuttgart has a very good record of bringing in Japanese players, going back to when Shinji Okazaki was there. But you know, he wasn't one of the more well-known players that they had brought in. And then all of a sudden, his first season there, he's starting in center back. He was he's more often played in a back three than as an actual center back there. But he's basically been a consistent starter for Stuttgart, going on two years now. Now. Whether you think he should have been starting there because there were times where his performances didn't really look up to snuff. Now, granted, that Stuttgart team over the past two years has not really been that good of a side. They arguably should have been relegated two years ago were it not for Wataru Endo's heroics at the end of the season. Mm. But, you know, he's he's been a consistent starter in Stuttgart. And then what's interesting, guys, is that this season so far, he actually is playing left back in a back four under Sebastian Hoeneß. So he's been playing left back in that system in a back four, which is where Moriyasu has him right now. So if if Stuttgart is going to continue to deploy him there, then I don't really see another alternative for Japan at the moment. I mean, Morishita plays as a left wing back in a back three system in Nagoya. So if that's the system Moriyasu wants to play in a certain match, then I could easily see Morishita coming in in that role. But if he's going to stick with a back four, I don't think he has a better option than Ito at the moment. Like Alan said, Nakayama is still working his way back from injury. He hasn't featured in the starting 11 for Huddersfield at all this year. He had one late game cameo, I believe, right before the international break. But if he's not, you know, seeing the pitch regularly, you know, there's really no reason to call him up at the moment, I don't think. And I don't, and at the moment, I don't see another option coming out of the J League for someone who could potentially challenge Ito for that left back spot. I mean, we were blessed to have Yuto Nagatomo in that spot for over a decade. And we got so used to his, you know, just bounding forward down the left-hand side and sending in cross after cross after cross that, you know, you kind of would like to have that back, but I'm not sure that Japan has that available to them at the moment. So I think if you're going to see a back four system, I think Hiroki Ito is probably the likely starter there, barring injury. All right, then. So, uh, yeah, then, uh, as we said, Wada put uh, Japan back in front uh, in the 22nd minute. And I guess for, uh, yeah, the the remainder of, uh, well, not the entire game, of course. Japan didn't have a G- a Germany under the cosh for the entire 90 minutes. But it, as Alan mentioned earlier, Mark andre Terstegen in the German goal was arguably the, the man of the match. And for the Germans, I mean, I think he clearly was, wasn't he? He kept them in the game basically with a number of uh, a number of saves, at either at point blank range or with the shots from distance from the Japanese players. Who it must be said at times their finishing was lacking a little bit. They could have um, yeah put clear uh, daylight between themselves and the Germans before Takafusa Kubo's uh, impressive cameo towards the end. Uh, he came on uh, with the 15 minutes left with uh, Al Tanaka. 
that was, of course, after uh, Takuma Asano had replaced a waiter just before the hour. And, yeah, those three basically combined uh, on the, the, the last uh, two goals that put the icing on the cake for uh, for Japan. Uh, Kubo raced clear in the 90th minute and uh, unselfishly squared for Asano to tap in. Then in stoppage time, he raced down the right, cut back onto his left foot and crossed for an, uh, an unmarked Tanaka to glance a header in for 4-1. So, yeah, I mean, the the, uh, the result certainly turns um, turns some heads. It um, It's cost the Germany manager his job. Um, but in terms of their general control of the game, Alan, um, how impressed with you, uh, were you, sorry, uh, by by Japan's overall performance uh, right across the pitch? I mean, there was that, obviously, that one instance where they were, they were cut to pieces and Sane's first time finish saw Germany make it 1-1 but for for the the remainder of the game they were they were able to restrict the Germans very impressively so we we might have feared um a, a proper German fight back after that uh, the goal that made it 1-1 but from there Japan were able to refocus and as I said go straight back in front three minutes later and from there control the remainder of the game so this was a really really mature performance right across the pitch from from pretty much everybody in a samurai samurai blue shirt wasn't it I think you said it all really I was a bit concerned when they literally you know, suddenly that Japan seemed to turn off and one, two, three, four passes and a quick finish. And, and it was one, one. And I was like, oh, dear. And we've seen, you know, well, I've been watching Japan for a long time, so 30 years or so. So I've seen, you know, where that would basically kill Japan off and it's killed other teams off. Uh, you know, they get ahead, they look good. And then suddenly they they level, they they turned off for, a, you know, 10 seconds and and then the game changes. But they didn't worry. They they you know, they reformed the ranks. They got up there. They they scored again within a few minutes, and uh, they 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 didn't look in danger after that. So, I think the key was the the fact that they did not let that affect them so much or or at all. And uh, yeah, they just came back into it, and it, that was the key. I mean, it could have been a turning point, and it wasn't. So I was very happy to see that. And um, yeah, all over the field. I mean. And there was so much, there was so much movement, so much hard work, so much passing. Whenever a player got the ball, um, usually Japan were playing one-touch passing anyway, so they didn't really need or have the time to look around. But if they didn't need to look around, there were four players waiting for the pass. And if some guy got the ball and and there wasn't any of a space, suddenly three players moved and they were in space. Um, they weren't afraid to go back to to recycle, as the commentators like to say. And I think that uh, overall, everybody was wonderful. And, and then when they made multiple substitutions, and I was thinking, you know, make substitutions for the sake of them, but they didn't. I mean, he, he brought on the players that were needed, the players that were correct in the, the right positions, um, switched the plays around a little bit, and everybody that came on contributed, obviously, to Naka scored, and Kuba made two assists as well. So, really, I mean, uh, one of the best Japan players uh, one of the best japan performances that i've seen in a long time and players like maeda daizen furahashi kyogo i mean they weren't even seen on the edge of the pitch almost i mean there's so much depth in this japan team um but it's so happy to see all of them playing in every single position and, and doing their job and that's good management moriyasu is obviously doing something right I think we do need to – well, I personally want to acknowledge one particular player. I mentioned him earlier, but having Takahiro Tomiyasu back in the lineup I think just takes this Japan team to another level. There was a moment at the end of the first half 
where Leroy Sané got the ball ahead of everybody else, and he was running across toward his toward his left to try and square up on the goal from the other side to where he had scored earlier. And Tomiyasu literally comes charging in behind him, makes the bat, makes the tap, makes a perfect tackle, gets the ball off him for a corner, and just ends the threat. And that really, to me, was representative of his performance in this match. He was just so good in his role. And the other one is the gif. I don't know if either of you have seen the gif of him just completely bodying Sané off the ball and then preventing it from going out for a goal kick. I mean, what more do you need to say about his performance in that regard? I also want to mention what I thought was probably the funniest moment of the match for me was after... You know, you're getting down to like the 85th or 86th minute and Japan is clearly just trying to see the match out, you know, protect a 2-1 result and then maybe get a chance to score on the counter. Um, They got the ball deep in their own half. Hiroki Ito has it over by the corner flag and it got really quiet in the stadium because I think a lot of the Germany fans had either, you know, decided they weren't going to come back or had already left. But you could hear the players on the pitch from the field mics and as Ito's got the ball, you can hear Tomiyasu telling him, wait, wait, you know, hold the ball up a little bit. And then, of course, Ito immediately fires it long down the field, gives it right back to Germany. And then you just see Tomiyasu throw his arms up and, and yeah, in frustration at him. So that was, I was just laughing in my seat when I saw that because I think that just shows you when Tomiyasu is healthy, he makes a big difference in the defense of this team. And he basically is the general of that back line, as far as I'm concerned. He makes everything work. He puts everybody in the right space. He makes the correct plays when he's back there. And I was so happy to see him at his natural position of center back because as far from what I could tell with European guys or European fans, I should say, they don't realize that Tomiyasu can play full can play center back. Mm. He's played almost exclusively as a fullback for Arsenal, and even going back to Bologna when he was in Serie A, that when the ma- when the initial lineup was posted on Google, and you even saw this on the broadcast here in the States, they had Yukinari Sugawara listed as a center back and Tomiyasu <laughs> showing it right back. Yeah, right. And my immediate reaction was, okay, the guy that put that lineup graphic together or the AI they programmed to do that only watches the Premier League because if you know anything about these players, you know that Sugawara is not a center back. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's interesting. All right then. Yeah, well, um, I was actually before we move on, Alan. I, I mean, that's great there that Brett has, um, yeah, picked out his uh, couple of uh, best players of the game for uh, for Japan. Is, was there any other players or two that that you wanted to single out for for particular praise as well for either the the performance over the course of the game or maybe an impressive cameo here or there? Uh, I, I was well. I think um, Brett's grabbed the two players that uh, already that I'm really interested in. Uh, I mean, Tomiyasu was quite brilliant, uh, especially that uh, that what was it? it was the second goal where he pushed it across the pitch in just one touch. It was, but yeah, he was he was immense. He was a mountain. Uh, Junior Ito was fantastic. I think. Um, at the time, I was like, Endo, Wataru, where, where is he? What's he doing? And like, you know, it's not impressing me much. And I think the fact is that he was in the right place at the right time, all the time, and making the simple passes and and destroying any move and, and cutting out the passes all the time. That he didn't really do anything spectacular, but he's just so solid all the way through, which I think is 
is what he's been known for in in the Bundesliga, uh, being like top of the stats of various statistics for like the last two or three years. And yeah, I was like, well, Endo didn't do much. And then I sort of think back and I think, well, Endo actually did a lot. He did everything. He was running everywhere. He was in between the defenders sometimes. He was up in the attack. But yeah, he was just quietly snuffing out attacks and uh, distributing distributing the ball very nicely. So, but you know, and everybody, I, I was really it was in, if anything, Mitoma was a little quiet for me. Um, but you know, we can't expect uh, him to beat five players and score a, a cracker every single game, can I? But um, yeah, overall, I think everybody was fine. The substitutes came on and did everything too. So it was it was really an amazing squad game that was done and managed very well. And I'm looking forward to what they do in the Turkey game. Even if they do switch the whole 11, it will be very interesting. Well, that's right. I mean, yeah, we've talked about the depth that uh, Moriyasu has at his disposal, and it does appear that that's going to be um, showcased in full against Turkey. Um, yeah, predicted lineups uh, here or there suggest that, yeah, he might change the entire 11. And I guess we can chat about that uh, in, in a moment, Brett. But, um, yeah, I mean, so the, the final two goals then, I mean, it's um, it, it's terrific for Asano, obviously, to get on the score sheet again. There are, you know, some of us who still question why he's called up. But, but again, he, um, yeah, he, he rarely lets uh, Moriyasu down, even though he obviously this was completely gift-wrapped for him by Kubo, who, uh, I mean, you know, 99 out of 100 other players would have taken the, the chance on themselves after uh, racing clear through the centre with the game pretty much already wrapped up. I mean, he could have, um, yeah, notched uh, another international goal for himself, but very unselfishly, as I said, squared for Asano to tap in. But, um, yeah, it continues on with uh, Asano and his uh, excellent recent record against Germany. Takuma Asano, Germany killer. (laughs) Did you ever think you would hear those four words together? Um, No, no, not at all. It's interesting because... You know, I have my Dortmund fans. I have a, I have a group chat with them, and they also follow the Germany team. And after set, after Saturday's match, they get a lot of them are saying, "Man, this Asano guy kills us," which is, and I just had to be like, if you knew how many times at people who who follow the Japan team have asked, "Why does he keep getting called up?" <laughs> if you knew how often that's asked, your mind would your head would explode. Because at this point, I mean, at this point, if Moriasu just if you're playing Germany, call Asano up. He he will always score against them, it seems like. But yeah, and I agree with you, Ben. I want to make sure we give Kubo credit because the third goal is 95 percent Takafusa Kubo and maybe 5 percent Asano. Asano put himself in the right position, but Kubo had done all the work. He won the ball off the Germany defender and the German defense at that point really didn't try to get back. I don't think, but he knew, he knew he had Asano to his left. So he just got in as close as he could and then left it over for Asano to just basically tap into an empty net. So I want to make sure we give Kubo the credit he deserves for that. And for the, for the fourth goal, because that was a lot him, he put it on a, he put a sumptuous crossed in and Tanaka got his head to it and managed to steer it in past the post. But Kubo had a good match off the bench. If he want, if Mariasu wants to start him against Turkey, I'm all for that. Yeah, fair enough. Ed. All right, and just um, uh, along um, 
with the, what Alan was saying about Wataru Endo and his performance. I mean, um, it was interesting for me to see that when uh, Wada steered home Japan's second uh, early doors, uh, who happened to be alongside him in the box and might have been pouncing if um, if Ito's touch had, had gone past Wada was uh, Hidemasa Morita. So obviously, um, you know, Endo's presence allows Morita a little bit more freedom to get forward as well because, um, you, you know, Morita... Um, is able to to perform well, you know, in a defensive sense, but is also, um, you know, likes getting forward as well. And I mean, his his pot shots don't often fill me with confidence, but yeah, he certainly doesn't mind stepping forward. And he, with with Endo behind him, he certainly does have that freedom, doesn't he? I think to express himself a little bit more in the final third. So yeah, I mean, he does steady the entire ship, doesn't he? Along similar lines that you mentioned with Tomoyasu across the defence. I mean, yeah, Endo has really become that anchor that uh, Japan's been crying out for for a long time in the center of the park. Yeah, he basically has become what uh, we wanted Makoto, what Makoto Hasebe was for a long time. I mean, it's been said that he's the engine that makes, you know, the whole Japan team go forward. I mean, he's not as I would I would say he's not as important to the success of the national team as he was, say, two or three years ago, where I remember at the Asian Cup in 2019 when he got hurt. It was like night and day when he wasn't in the lineup. It, there's still a difference if he's not in the lineup now, but Japan have the depth behind him to be able to, you know, have guys step in for him and not really fall off all that much. You've got Morita, you've got Tanaka, you've got Hatate, who didn't even get called up this time because he's injured, but they have options in central midfield if Endo's not available. But yeah, he he was, I thought he was very good. And then Morita, yeah, he get he can get forward if he sees the opportunity for it. That's how he plays a lot of the time for sporting in Portugal. I mean, a lot of his goals last year, and he was very good for them last year, but a lot of the goals are him, you know, following up behind the attackers and putting himself in a good position to smash home a rebound, which is what you saw in this match. He was up toward the top looking to pounce on a ball in the box if, you know, the first option doesn't get it. So that's a big part of his game too, and I thought, you know, I don't think anybody in the starting 11 played all that badly, to be honest with you, which is really surprising to say when you consider the opponent in this match. But I think it just goes back to as odd as this sounds to say, I think Jap- I think Japan's a better team than Germany is at this point. I think that's mm. just straight up it. Mm. Yeah, definitely more settled. And um, yeah, behind the scenes, obviously, things are, um, yeah, a lot calmer. And yeah, Japan were able to go. Uh, on their on their trip with um yeah a settled a settled squad I guess um a, a squad that knows each other well and they were able to very much express themselves and uh, yeah I mean last week Sam wondered what sort of a performance Japan would would put on whether they would uh you know try and hit Germany on the counter as they did in Qatar or whether they'd be able to um, be more front footed throughout the course of the game and um yes it was a, a a total performance from japan and a thoroughly deserved um a thoroughly deserved result that uh, certainly has raised some eyebrows now we know from recent history that uh, japan is prone to a post germany hangover uh, brett as we saw in the world cup um when uh, japan obviously put in a stinker against costa rica but uh, against turkey on tuesday night in the the second leg of their trip to europe they have uh, as we said, uh, uh, the likelihood of changing the entire team. So a, a fresh set 
of 11 players from the start who are hungry to press their own claims for future squads and obviously the Asian Cup coming down the road as well. So, yeah, I don't think we'll see much of a uh, an inverted commas hangover on this occasion. There might be a little bit of a rhythm lacking at times between players um, who are struggling to uh, put some combinations together. But I, th- I think we'll f- we'll see a, uh, a very highly motivated Japan team full of players um, hoping to press their own claims for uh, for positions not only in future squads but as I said in the in the Asian Cup squad which is the uh, the the next big target for uh, for Moriyasu and the Samurai Blue. Yeah, I don't I'm not expecting that much of a hangover from the Germany match. Could still happen, but I I'm honestly not expecting it. I think this is a good opportunity like you said to try it, to give some of the guys that didn't feature against Germany a chance. I mean, Turkey obviously I don't think Turkey probably not doesn't have the name recognition that Germany does. They're still a decent side, but it's again, it's a team that Japan, if they play well, should beat. I would probably expect to see a lot of lineup turnover from the Germany match, just because there's a lot of guys that have an argument to see the pitch. I also would not be surprised if Moriasu switches up his formation to accommodate some of these uh, players like, I wouldn't be surprised if he went with a back three system this time because that allows a guy like Morishita to come in in the position that he currently plays for his uh, club team, Nagoya, in the J-League. He's often deployed as a left wing back in a back three system. That also potentially benefits a guy like Daiki Hashioka, who came in as a substitute for Sugawara against Germany. He plays as a right wing back in a back three system for St. Trudenins in Belgium. It also could give a guy like Koki Machida a chance to get his first cap at the with the senior team because he plays in for Union SG in Belgium and he plays in a back three system. And then you could also see like I think Altanaka is probably going to start. I think you could have a good reason to see Kyogo and Daisenmaida start. Obviously Kubo's name is going to be up there. But I think you're going to see a lot of new guys with maybe one or two holdovers from the Germany game, like Endo, maybe Itakura in the center of defense. We'll probably see either Kosuke Nakamura or Daniel Schmidt in between the sticks, I would think, because he tends to, Moriasu tends to want to rotate his keepers from game to game over the international breaks now. Uh, and like, like you said, this is all, I think, with the mindset that we need to build for the Asian Cup, which is going to be coming up this winter. And I want to make, and he probably wants to make sure that. He has the squad composition, you know, basically set, barring injury. Obviously, that could potentially change stuff, which you don't want to see happen. But it is a possibility because we've got, what, three, four months, three months of, you know, domestic competition to go. So obviously injuries could happen. But I think you're probably going to see some new guys in this lineup against Turkey. And you got you'll actually I think you'll actually be able to watch this one, Ben. It won't be in the middle of the night like the Germany match was, right? That is correct. Yes, it's at a reasonable hour. So, um, yeah, if, we, if I can get the kids off to bed at a slightly earlier time than usual, which is always a battle, but um, yeah, I'll see I'll see how I go. Then, uh, yes, it, it is on at a uh, yeah a nice time for us on uh, on Tuesday night. So, uh, looking forward to catching Japan versus Turkey, and then yes, in the October international break, uh, Japan play uh, two friendlies back at home. Uh, the first is versus Canada in uh, Niigata and then um, I'm sure Alan will be at the uh, Tunisia match uh, in Kobe to uh, to round out the October international break 
I will indeed, yes. <laughs> yes, I was just about to mention that Alan had popped out, and I probably didn't need to because he's just returned. So, uh, yeah, um, Alan, we've just wrapped up the, uh, the, the the Japan versus Germany chat, and we've looked ahead to Turkey. So we'll uh, we'll just wrap up the episode then by talking about um, the uh, the Levain Cup uh, quarterfinals that were played over the weekend, and uh, look ahead ever so briefly to uh, to J1 match day 27. As uh, yes, that competition returns over the weekend with uh, eight games left in the top flight season. So yeah, the uh, Levain Cup semi-finals are set, and uh, on uh, one half of the draw, it'll be uh, a Vispa Fukuoka versus Nagoya Grampus, and on the other side of the draw, Yokohama F Marinos will take on Urawa Reds in the semi-finals. Uh, Avispa and F Marinos overturned uh, first leg deficits in Sunday's second legs. Uh, Avispa beat Fukuoka, uh, Avispa beat Fukuoka, sorry. Avispa beat FC Tokyo 2-0 in the second leg to make the semi-finals of this competition for the first time in their history, a 2-1 on aggregate, and yes, they'll play Grampus after uh, they beat Kashima 3-2 on aggregate, thanks to a goal from uh, youngster Haruki Yoshida at the end of the second half of extra time, while on the other half of the draw, F. Marino's overturned a 3-2 deficit from the first leg away against Sapporo and cruised into the semis thanks to a 3-0 second leg win uh, with the second goal interestingly coming from Anderson Lopez and uh, rumours of his departure to Saudi Arabia have uh, proved to uh, have uh, come to nothing so for F Marino's fans they'll be absolutely uh, buzzing to have their uh, top scorer stay at the club and be focused on uh, yeah helping them retain their title in the last uh, two or three months of the season. And uh, obviously with the ACL in mind as well, that's a huge boost for Kevin Muscat and all of his squad. Uh, with uh, yeah, F. Marinos, as I said, facing Urawa in the semis after Reds beat Gumbar Osaka 3-0 at home in the second leg and uh, 4-0 on aggregate. So, Alan, it wasn't a great weekend for the club's that uh, closest to our hearts, um, yeah, to nobody's surprise, uh, FC Tokyo fell to Avispa despite uh, yeah winning the first leg 1-0 at home. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, Gumba uh, were uh, pretty much put to the sword uh, on Sunday. And uh, yeah, there was no coming back after that uh, 1-0 home defeat in the first leg. It was a bit of a tragedy for me, for sure. I mean, Gamba really could have won the first leg 4-0. Uh, in my humble opinion, of course, I'm not sure how many people were able to watch it, but Gamba were all over Reds at times and they just couldn't get the goal. And then there was a, I mean, a, a shot from the blue from like 20 yards and uh, Schalke had scored. And then in the in the second one, it looked like Gamba were, you know, getting somewhere in the first few minutes. And then Linson scored a header completely unmarked from the corner. And um, it was already 2-0 then. But of course, even then, you know, the... the the Gamba Hearts were thinking, well, only two goals, you know, away goals, extra time, whatever it is, I'm not sure. Um, but um, then Linson grabbed another one. I mean, the fact is that Linson scored two goals in this game. Schalk scored in the first leg and then he scored again. Well, another huge deflection in this game, but um, but they all count. Uh, so the, the two basically ever 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 present on the bench reserves. Well, I mean, they, these guys don't even get into the squad in the J-League sometimes. And... Um, to be able to call on uh, Linson and to get two goals and Schalke to get a goal in each one shows uh, that the uh, Rauer Red squad is not, not quite as shallow as we think it is. And I'm not sure what these guys will have to do to get back in again, but it's, it must be very good for uh, the manager to have players like that to call on it in, for want of a better word, reserve. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, in the end, Reds did what they needed to do, but I'm very disappointed, especially in the first leg, that uh, that Gamma didn't get a result. Um, as for you, if you managed to see the FC Tokyo game, you're probably not as disappointed as I am. They seem to be quite dire at times. Yeah, thankfully, um, no, I didn't have um, I didn't have uh, the uh, the correct channel uh, to be able to watch uh, yeah Tokyo lose yet again to Avispa on Sunday. So uh, yeah, huge uh, huge credit to them again. Uh, they've uh, they've uh, they've done Tokyo in two of the three games we played each other over the uh, the course of the last two weeks or so, and um, yes, into the semi-finals of both domestic cups. Um, so that's a tremendous achievement for uh, Avispa, and uh, yet they'll be looking to get some silverware in their cabinet for um, yeah for the first time one of these major trophies, and um, yeah the way they're travelling um, wouldn't put it past them, no doubt about that. All right, so uh, yes, finally then to, to J1 match day 27, when uh, well these uh, these two guests their uh, their teams will battle at the Edion Stadium. There are three games uh, on. Uh, Friday night involving the ACL clubs. There are four games on Saturday and two on Sunday. So, uh, yes, one of the main events on Saturday night is uh, Kobe travelling to Hiroshima, Brett's uh, favourite team, hosting the one uh, where, yeah, closest to where Alan lives. Uh, so that's going to be an entertaining battle, no doubt, as the Kobe continue their, um, yeah, their really challenging schedule that they've got ahead of them at the at the end of the season. Now, second place to F. Marinos entertain Tosu in one of the games on Friday night and Nagoya travel to Fukuoka on Saturday, which I guess is an early preview of um, their uh, Levain Cup semi-final. Uh, Kashima versus Cerezo is the sixth hosting fourth, uh, one of the uh, standout fixtures on the slate. And there's a relegation dogfight six-pointer at uh, Mitsuzawa on Sunday night when uh, Yokohama FC host Kashiwa. So uh, a lot of interesting fixtures over the the three uh, days of the weekend. And, um, well, Brett, I'll come to you first. Uh, for Hiroshima, it's obviously been a, a very frustrating season that, um, well, yeah, when, uh, when you take... Uh, Makoto Mitsuda out of the the side as has uh, obviously happened due to his uh, his serious injury. Then they've really struggled. Uh, he's back now, of course, but they're they're making do without Sakasa Morishima, who transferred to Nagoya. So, what are your expectations for uh, Hiroshima the rest of the way? Are they going to be uh, simply looking to play spoilers for the the teams above them, or do you still hold uh, fate hopes of uh, Sanfrecce nudging the uh, the ACL spots by the end of the season? I think at this point, their best hope is to play spoiler, which I think they probably are more than capable of doing based on how they've played over the last month. I mean, you mentioned they lost Tsukasa Morishima, but they got Marcos Jr. from Marinos, which I still don't know why Marinos let him go. But mm. ever since he's come into the squad, it seems like it's been they've elevated their play, particularly attacking, which has been the whole issue for them this year. They just they just could not score to for their, you know, if their life depended on it. I mean. They were relying on set pieces so much, and none of their center forwards looked like they could score at all. They were relying on Douglas Vieira, who's basically a career backup and an injury waiting to happen, you know, for long periods early in the season. And then when he finally came back down to earth, they couldn't do anything for about, oh, one or two months. I think they were winless in the league for like six matches in the middle of the year, which caused them to basically fall out of contention. Uh, but yeah, they do have, they have a lot of matchups with teams above them. I don't know that they're going to get enough points, you know, to challenge for the ACL spots. 
that may I don't know if that's their goal at this point. I think their goal at this point is to just take as many points as possible and to get results wherever they can and then maybe look to build to next year. So we'll see what happens. Indeed. All right. So, Alan, we basically mentioned that, yeah, for all intents and purposes, uh, Tokyo's and Gumba's season um, has basically come to a, a almost an end with the their involvement in the Levain Cup finishing at the quarterfinal stage. But for Kobe, it's a, it's a huge time of the year and it's a huge test for them in the the last couple of months of the season with um, yeah, the chance to make uh, literal history for the club and um, in the driver's seat to win the league for the first time in their history. Of course, they're, they've welcomed in a couple of new midfielders over this international break. Have you um, got your ear to the, um, the the rumor mill around Vissel? And how do you think uh, Juan Mata and um, I think it's uh, Balint Vetche has, uh, has settled in so far? And are you expecting them to be involved away at Hiroshima on Saturday night? It's going to be interesting. I think... Um Vissel Kobe and Yokohama F. Marinos and even Nagoya Grampus and I said Rao Reds, I mean the top four teams are basically running on 13 or 14 players as opposed to to some of the teams down there that have almost two, te- I mean Gamba, Gamba for example have two or three players in every single position that could play in the first team but from the top four teams that I can see and, and, and of course knowing so much about Fissel Kobe, if Osaka or Muto get injured, I think the, the season is over. And it's the same at uh, at uh, Yokohama F Marinos. I mean, if, if Anderson Lopez had gone or, or does get injured now, and one Jan Mateos is, is injured right now, uh, there's just there seems to be very little depth in either of the two teams that are uh, challenging for the top. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get through injury free. Uh, I spoke to uh, Juan Mata uh, last weekend as soon as he arrived. Uh, his English is fine, which is very nice. I tried to speak to Balintevexi in, in a Hungarian phrase, and he just looked at me thinking, thinking, who's this Wally? So I might have started off with a, uh, you know, a bad image there, but uh, I shall try again. Um, I'm not sure. Well, with Mitsuki Saito out for, for a year, um, they do need a, uh, a battling midfield player. I'm not sure. I don't know anything about Balintevexi. Um, but um, a couple of Hungarian friends have told me that he's reasonably a decent hard player who does the necessary and take one for the team if necessary. But uh, the fact that he was a free agent, um, perhaps at such a, a reasonably young age, I mean, he's uh, he's not 36 or 37, so I, I'm not expecting too much from him. But we'll, it's good that they've um, they've done this when they needed to. Juan Mata, he's got the he's got the ability or he's, he's had the ability. I haven't seen him play for at least two or three years, I would say. But um, he has been one of the, the better players in the Premier League in his day. And uh, I think uh, he's more of a slightly attacking midfielder, more of a creative player. So I think they'll have to drop uh, maybe Yamaguchi Hotaru back to a uh, side position. Um, and then uh, that makes room for Juan Mata. And uh, if, as I say, they stay injury-free and uh, Juan Mata settles in and uh, the substitutes do their job when needed, uh, Jean Patrick uh, comes in for uh, for Yuruki, or in fact sometimes starts. They seem to be sharing a position now. Um, and Kawasaki came and started uh, over Muto, who got rested and on the bench, and Kawasaki scored a, a goal against Kyoto Sanga. Uh, he was very happy to do that after being in the in the uh, the shadows for a, a, over a year year and a half he moved to to portugal hardly played at all 
and then came to 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 Vissel and I was not sure what he was here for, but uh, he's gained some experience. He scored a hat trick for Gamba in the ACL about three years ago now, and, uh, and suddenly he was wanted all over Europe, but uh, he, he didn't get a chance over there. So he, if if he can also come good and uh, perhaps help out up front, then they do have some reserves. But at the moment, I would say either of the top two teams, if they if they get a serious injury or any more injuries, Vissel Kobe have been racking up the injuries all season. Um, missing Kikuchi Ryuho in particular, but now Saito as well. It's it's quite tragic. Uh, but but Yokohama Marinos are the same. They've lost Hatanaka now for the rest of the season and probably half of next season. So uh, these teams, uh, you know, there's there's a chance for Nagoya Grampus and Urao Reds, I think, at, at the moment. But uh, we shall see. If San Freche do the dirty on Vissel Kobe on uh, on the weekend, and uh, if if Marinos don't manage to, to win on Friday night to go top temporarily, then the two teams chasing will be very happy to see that. And uh, it could be a, a four-horse race again suddenly. But uh, for now, Vissel stay clear and stay clean. They, they know what they've got to do. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'll, I'll be there, of course, yes. All right, terrific stuff. And, yeah, of course, uh, Cerezo looming uh, down the outside as well in uh, horse racing parlance. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a fantastic race to the finish in J1, no question. But, um, yeah, for for now then, I think we'll leave it there. A uh, Yeah, obviously a fantastic performance, um, not only the result, but, yeah, a, a thoroughly merited victory for uh, Japan uh, away against Germany. And, um, yeah, a tremendous achievement for Hajime Moriyasu and uh, all of his players. And, uh, yeah, let's hope they can back up against Turkey and uh, with uh, what we presume will be a much-changed 11 uh, do the business again. So um, we'll leave it there. Yeah, Alan, well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for, uh, yeah, popping out quietly and making it back. It's great to, that you were able to do so before the episode ended. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch up with you again soon, I'm sure, as this uh, J1 title is uh, sure to go right down to the wire and it looks like Kobe are going to be involved right down to the death so um yeah we'll we'll catch up with you again soon great to chat with you again thank you very much and good night for now all right and brett yeah fantastic what a uh, debut it was um yeah uh, great to uh yeah put a voice to the messages in the in the line group and um yeah uh, terrific to to speak with you and um get your thoughts uh, not only on um obviously the uh, the the germany game but yeah a number of the the players involved and um their outlook for the asian cup and uh, and going forward uh, for japan so yeah terrific to to speak with you and yeah hope to do so again very very soon yeah thanks again for having me on it's been a nice time Hopefully it does work out. You know, the different the time difference is going to be something that we'll need to discuss, and then our respective work schedules. But yeah, just let me know when you're in, when you'd like me on again. All right, we most certainly will do that then. All right then, so that's it for the this week's episode of the J Talk podcast. Thanks again to Alan and Brett for their time. Thanks to our patrons for their ongoing support on Patreon. If you'd like to get involved, please visit patreon.com slash jtalkpod. And thank you, listeners, for listening wherever you are. Uh, we'll be back next week to review J1 Match Day 27. Speak to you then. Bye for now. The J Talk Podcast. Yes, 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 yes.